0: The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Call me
1: Snake.
2: Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch.
1: And I'm Molly Balin.
2: And joining us today for this minute of the end credits is a big super fan of lots of Movies by Minute podcasts, including this one and my previous one and Molly's previous one. So he has most definitely earned this guest spot, Brian Campus.
0: Hello. Hello. How is everybody doing tonight?
2: We are good doing well and and. The reason we are doing well is because of awesome listeners like yourself.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's a a great show. It's been a great listen for one of my favorite movies.
2: No, awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, This is an exciting minute. It's all end credits. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's minute 97, and uh, we start out with the script supervisor. We end with craft services. And uh, I guess we'll just... uh, Go in order of whatever anyone wants to say here um, as the credits roll. And the first name that I want to call out is Louise Jaffe, who is the script supervisor. And the reason I want to call her out is this is one drop in the bucket of her career. Um, she she did a bunch of other movies, and uh, Halloween, and Howard the Duck, and The Ice Pirates. She works in TV, King of the Hill. But particularly, I want to point out what she's done in TV. She is the script supervisor on more than 600 of the Simpsons episodes, which is almost every Simpsons episode. And that oh, is
1: awesome. Wow. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. So that's a fun job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And probably one that's been, what, like 30 years now, basically?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, yeah. just, they just had their... 666th episode because they made a whole joke about it. So if she's done more than 600 I, I mean that means she's been there basically since the beginning.
1: Wow. wow.
0: Yeah I thought her name looked familiar when I saw it and then I looked it up I'm like oh geez that's where I've seen it yeah. <laughs> 600 times.
2: Right. From watching the end credits 600 yeah, Exactly. Times.
1: <laughs> so interesting. Wow. I mean just like imagine how dynamic of a workplace to stay with it for like 30 years. Like that's I mean, it's got to be constantly fun, right?
2: Oh, Oh, yeah, stick with it that long, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, as a script supervisor, I have to assume she's seeing things, the jokes that never even make it into the episode. So she's getting jokes that we don't even ever get to know. Right. Yeah, the the first name um not to change the subject, but uh, the first one that
0: comes up is that Larry Franco, the first assistant director. I mean, he looked like he worked on a lot of Jarn Carpenter stuff like Big Trouble and Prince of Darkness, They Live, and then The Thing. And did you guys see that he was actually a uh, a character in The Thing?
1: No, which one?
0: He plays one of the Norwegians in the helicopter in the beginning.
1: Oh, funny.
0: Yeah, he's the Norwegian with the rifle shooting at the poor
2: dog.
1: Oh, my God. Now I want to go back and look at that.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's Mr. Larry Franco.
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah, he was one of the producers on this movie also. So Mm -hmm. he um, he has his hand in a little bit of everything, I guess.
1: Well, one of the folks I wanted to call out was Ray Stella, who's the camera operator. Um, And if you look him up on IMDb, he's credited as Raymond Stella. But he's another one of the John Carpenter crew alumni. Uh, Yes did halloween one two and three the fog the thing they live big trouble in little china um also appears that he's a frequent collaborator of our dp dean cundy uh and he's got credits uh dc cab back to the future who framed roger rabbit hook death becomes her jurassic park uh he did a couple movies that i have a really soft spot in my heart for uh one of them is a second unit dp for braveheart and then here's a connection between my former podcast cabinet the woods being a Joss Whedon jam. Uh, Ray was also the second unit DP on Serenity, and then this is also a weird collection <laughs> and I'm going to rattle off here. I would be remiss not to mention he also worked on Roadhouse, Schindler's List, Blade, Apollo 13, and Deep Space Nine. And as another connection to, to New York, he was a second unit DP on several episodes of CSI New York.
2: And uh, let's not leave out, he also did the camera for Fletch, one of my favorite comedies. Oh, yes
0: yeah good old fletch
1: good old fletch
0: and there's another connection to fletch as well the one of the makeup artists uh what's it ken chase he was he was one of the makeup artists on fletch as well
1: oh
2: yeah that's uh that movie's got actually you wouldn't think it because it's a chippy chase goofy comedy but because he's in disguises all movie long uh the makeup actually had a pretty heavy lift in that movie
0: oh big time yeah that ken chase he's got a, a storied history i mean he started off on the Gunsmoke tv show and worked on the original planet of the apes makeup yep
1: mm, cool
0: yeah he's and then worked with on um, uh, big trouble in little china as well
2: yeah he's another john carpenter dean cundy guy we're, we're gonna i think we're gonna be saying that a lot we're gonna repeating ourselves a lot with that yeah <laughs> in today's episode <laughs> a lot of these guys are carpenter cundy guys yeah Ken chase uh, but since we're already talking about him uh we'll we'll close the loop on him he actually he got an oscar nomination for the color purple uh he's done a lot of billy crystal movies so i wonder if that's one of those things where you know you have an actor has a makeup person they like and so they just always request them to be on whatever movies they do uh and he did uh howard stern's makeup in private parts Hmm. let's see here uh the next on my list was clyde bryan the first assistant camera and other carpenter Cundy guy other credits just want to call up for him he does uh, stranger things which is a great show on uh, netflix uh, iron man 3 so he's done some mcu and spongebob movie sponge out of water which of course featured <laughs> voice of our new friend roger bumpus
1: nice nice yeah,
2: that was a fantastic interview by the way
1: oh yeah he was really gracious it was yeah he was wonderful
2: yeah, that that thank thank you. That was we had a lot of fun talking. Mm-hmm. That sounded like it was that's great
1: conversation. So one of the things I wanted to call out here because I thought this was kind of interesting, and and we've talked before about how you know these are some pretty basic looking credits, but I find it interesting that the set decorator Claudia, <laughs> 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 it's just Claudia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, and yeah, it's...
2: let's go to her. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> all caps. There's a space between the C, the L, the O, the U, the D, and the I, and the A, Just uh, fantastic. which I was like, huh, is that going to be kind of like, like uh, a group of people, or what's going on there? But uh, when I looked it up, uh, it looks like it's Claudia Rebar, and that's how Claudia is uh, credited in IMDb, and looks like Claudia did uh, several 70s TV shows like Mary Tyler Moore and The Bob Newhart Show. Uh, also, as we were saying, there's going to be a lot of John Carpenter crew alumni. She's one of them. She, she did the set de- decoration on Christine. A few other movies you might recognize her from our Child's Play, Turner and Hooch, Vanilla Sky, and the TV show 24.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw she worked on a lot of 24 episodes. Yeah. A- and does- my all-time favorite one from her on there is Over the Top. <laughs> yeah! Turn the hat around. Turn Get the hat power. around. <laughs>
2: going over the top <laughs> oh lord that i uh, a few months ago um i don't know how it came up my wife has never seen over the top because she's a, not a boy who grew up in the 80s uh but i said oh i, I th- oh i think it was on tv i think and it came on i said like, oh you gotta see this this is the one where when stallone turns his hat around he gets the extra power he needs to win the arm wrestling tournament She was like, what? I said, just watch. You'll see. See? He turned the hat around. Now he's going to win.
1: I also have not seen that. Yeah. No?
2: (laughs) Oh, you got to see Over the Top. Yeah. uh, (laughs) That's Stallone cheesiness at its finest.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
2: WWF uh, alum Terry Funk plays a a big bad dude in that movie. Mm. Yeah, so,
1: Claudia. Yeah. Claudia. Claudia. One of
2: those wacky credits that you, that every movie has. I okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs>
1: I'm sure it seemed cool at the time. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, I'll call out Doug Knapp, who is a one of the second unit camera operators, and I'm calling him out because he did camera for most of the episodes of Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise, which are two shows that I like a lot, and uh, really? he also... Do You like Enterprise? Yes, yes I do, yes. Oh, uh, really? Jack, Jack <laughs> and Sam Stovold, you're listening, that's right, damn you, I like Enterprise, and I like it better than Deep Space Nine, if you're both still listening
1: this deep into our show. Ooh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry We we need to talk about that So are you like a big Are you a big Scott Bakula fan? Like, what's Uh, I was
2: just gonna ask that
1: uh, (laughs) No,
2: I I wouldn't say that I mean, I liked Quantum Leap I wouldn't say I was a big Scott Bakula fan Uh, I just, uh, I I, I enjoyed the show I think it is unjustly maligned
1: Really? Mm.
2: I mean, it's not as good as TNG It's not as good as Voyager But I think it's better than Deep Space Nine I don't like Deep Space Nine
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. I get that. Um, Yeah, I just, I don't even really consider Enterprise like a real (laughs) Star Trek show, right? It's kind of like... I don't know, it's it's like a foster kid to me, like of this of a franchise. It's just like we're gonna we're gonna allow you to hang out, but you know, yeah, it's it's not that's really interesting though that you, you really like dig it, which is fine. That's okay. We all have opinions about things and like things. it's okay.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I just said I liked over the top, so
2: <laughs> Well you have to like over the top. I mean,
1: come on. Yeah. You know, it's cool. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm giving you a hard time. It's actually not that bad. It's just, I, I, Scott Bakula is, is uh, a polarizing figure in media for me, so.
2: Oh, okay. Let's, let's cultivate that. <laughs> What's that about?
1: No, I just like, <sighs> he's just a little cheesy for me, you know? Like, he's kind of like, a, um, I don't know. It's, 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 he's more galaxy quest to me than he should be in this context. Yeah. I mean, I dug like Quantum Leap, like that was, that was fine totally cool but yeah i just like it just didn't feel like it was well cast for, for that yeah um i did dig the uh the vulcan chick on that though like she was great super super vulcan chick but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anywho i digress <laughs> please <laughs> yeah. continue i apologize sure. no no
2: but <laughs> no, no. hey, also we talk about it's closing credits yeah <laughs> closing credits uh, i'll close the loop on doug knapp he did a bunch of my favorite uh, comedies over the years, Back to School, Coming to America, Beetlejuice, so uh, nice, nice good career for Mr. Knapp.
0: Yeah, I found a lot of the people that are in these in this group of credits here went on to have some pretty, pretty great careers and then some ones that just have some really, just strange.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you say that, Brian, because you're right, you know, a lot of, you know, you, you think when you go through these IMDB lists and you're looking at all this crew, you figure, ah, oh, you know, obviously these are not names that are familiar names but i was very impressed with how many long imdb pages so many people in this crew had and and this movie not not for all of them but for a sizable amount of them this was near the beginning of their career mm-hmm. so it's almost like john carpenter and his department heads had a real knack for spotting talent and, and finding people who would go on to be very successful yeah, yeah and I think agreed
1: yeah yeah i i think it's speaks a lot to how people work together as well. And that's one of the things that I really, especially like dug about this move it, minute, Movement. movement of minute. You should totally cut that out. What I really <laughs> dug about this minute is that I could really see a pattern of a collection of people working together over several years, over several projects, which really tells me that these people enjoy working together. They work well together and they're good at what they do and they collaborate really well and that's kind of that's cool to see because i mean I, I think that's i don't know that we really get to have those conversations outside of movies by minutes honestly
0: mm-hmm. yeah. the next person i wanted to talk about was that barbara ann gardolfo the apprentice editor yes yeah it looks like she was uh because i was i was you know, interested, saying you know, apprentice editor. Did you know? Did she get her start here? Um, did she go on to like make anything else on her own as a regular, you know, full fledged editor? And it looked like you know she worked on on a, the Fall Guy TV show. Yes, and it was great. Oh, I loved that show as a kid. One of my favorites. Me too. Uh, oh. Worked on Streets of Fire that movie, nineteen eighty four. Have you ever seen Streets of Fire? Mm-mm. No. Uh, I think Willem Dafoe. Oh, it is it is bonkers, next level bonkers. Give 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 that one a shot. It, it's it's even it's it's hard to put into words. Rick Moranis is in that. It's it's very strange, <laughs> but it's eighties goodness though. So. Cool. Worked on Rocky Four, Three Men and a Baby. She was also the assistant sound editor on Victory, going back another Sylvester Stallone movie.
2: That's the soccer one, right? Correct. Yeah. The thing on her credits that that stood out to me, and this is how my mind works, um, is she was the ADR assistant on Basic Instinct, and so I was just wondering if uh, did she have to perform any ADR moans or screams or anything for Sharon Stone? Y- yeah,
1: yeah, that wow, right. Uh, that leads many questions. (laughs) Uh, Because I had to look up what the ADR assistant was. I wasn't sure what that was at all. So for Mm -hmm. others who are listening who are like, what is that? Uh, An ADR recordist is an automated dialogue replacement, also known as looping or dubbing. Uh, It's basically where Dialogue is recorded in a studio for any number of reasons, to replace existing production sound that's not usable, either for technical considerations, you know, maybe because of a noisy location, editorial ones, lines of dialogue that have been changed, to add a voiceover to a film, uh, often planned from the outset but occasionally added at the last minute to help clarify a hazy plot point, or to add group voices not covered by production sound, record dialogue for an animated production, which not in, the, in this particular case, or to dub the film into another language. Uh, so that's what an ADR recordist does. And so they are uh, a part of the the team that would do that. In this case, she was uh, some sort of a tech assistant recordist uh, on uh, Basic Instinct. So you can fill in the blanks there about what that might look like. It <laughs>
2: <Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> had been a f- fun time to go to work. Oh, honey, I got to go in and do this today. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I'll, uh, next time I'll pull out here is, uh, Don Sutton, the, the lead man. And that made me Google what a lead man is. Um, and the lead man is a member of the set decoration department and he's responsible for the props and the set dressers on a film set and the swing gang, which led me to the next name, Lee Dragus, which says swing gang. And so I Googled what the hell the swing gang is and the swing gang does the set dressing and then takes everything off the set. Once the film has been wrapped and I didn't look up their careers. I just looked up what their positions were. Uh,
1: I looked at, I couldn't find Don when I went on IMDb. Uh, I did find Lee Drygus though. And it looked like he worked on set with Dean Cundy on death becomes her as the assistant property master. But that was the other commonality I saw.
0: Did you guys ever know, ever know what a flicker box technician was?
2: Uh, I do now because it sounds like much like you. I looked it up for this. Yeah, I <laughs> had hey, never, never seen that before.
0: Flickerbox technician. Did you look? So it up? I, I looked it up on Google, yeah. and you know, I just put in you know Flickerbox technician. The first hit on Google is uh, myflickrbox.com. dot com, and I'm like, oh, what's this? It's a Uh-oh. monthly subscription box for candle lovers.
1: <laughs> oh. Aha. Uh-huh. That could have gone another direction, yeah. Right, I, I, was, I was
0: scared, and you, you know how I, del- I didn't want to click on it, but you see, there's <laughs> a like, liner underneath, and I'm like, Oh, candle lovers, there we go. Because I saw lovers first, and I'm like, Uh
1: oh, <laughs> I'm getting put on a list. Oh no, <laughs>
0: yeah, Steve Mathis, the flicker box technician,
2: yeah, it, flicker boxes basically are used to create light flicker effects
0: for fire and whatnot.
2: Yeah, any, any any kind of lights that might be flickering, usually that's fire, uh, or it could be also... thing is, it could also... I read online when I read about it, it could also involve, like, flashing light, and, mm-hmm. of course, we've all been having lots of fun poking fun at the flashing random lights in the control room during this movie. Uh, so he could have worked on the fire, he could have worked on our favorite lights to goof on, he could have worked on both, for all we know.
0: Mm-hmm. Steve Math is collecting that paycheck.
2: Yeah, and let me tell you, this guy had—he's—he's he's another one with a nice IMDb list. Another John Carpenter guy. Uh, usually, he's done gaffer work, and he worked on Glory, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. He's got some MCU stuff: Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, mm-hmm. He did the new trilogy, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy from the last few years, and he did what I consider to be an incredibly disappointing. TV miniseries, which was way too long and way too overly dramatic, America, spelled with a K from back in the 80s. He hmm. oh, was also the best boy on the original Halloween. Ah. Oh. Yep. Carpenter guy. Mm-hmm.
0: Worked on The Fog as well. And then something like Moulin Rouge.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he was all over the place. I was going to do a real quick call out to Arthur Gelb, who's listed as the graphic designer. And... I was just kind of curious because, you know, as somebody who does graphics, you know, me own self, I was like, oh, what else he's done? Um, but the one thing I want to call out is that he was the property illustrator on Spaceballs. Yes! <laughs> and I have an undying love of Spaceballs.
0: So. As do I. <laughs> Did you guys find the Dick Warlock Spaceballs reference? No, no. In, in looking at Dick Warlock's, because I was, you know, just to pause here and call out Dick Warlock. <laughs> that name is friggin' fantastic. Um, so I was so happy to see him in my my minute of credits. But he was the Vulcan pinch guard in Spaceballs.
2: <gasps>
1: oh, oh that's amazing. Yeah
2: what the hell are you doing? Um, the Vulcan neck
1: pinch. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, man, you you're too th- high. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we talked about Dick very, we really didn't talk about it much during the course of the show. We, 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 we kind of only brought him up near the very end. Um, and I'm not really sure why, I guess it just was never, just never organic to, him. but yeah, he's, he's, uh, Kurt Russell's go-to stunt man, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, as if being a stunt man doesn't mean you're like you're a tough guy enough. I feel like his name could kick my ass. Yeah, like, uh, I, think I just like saying my name's Dick Warlock, and like just the fact that that's his name would mean he'd beat me up. It just
0: <laughs> yeah, he played some his, his uh, in his IMDb credits. Just some of the the names of his characters in the movies he's played. Oh, it's fantastic! So the Vulcan Pinch Guard Space Spaceballs. He was Officer in Mall and Commando. He was Ooh. one of the one of the townsmen in blazing saddles and man on
2: roof in spider-man man oh.
0: man <laughs> on roof
2: oh that's a great scene in commando in the malls so that's when schwarzenegger picks the uh phone booth up with phone Sult- booth up. with sully inside it that that movie is the ultimate schwarzenegger overdoing his strength movie for sure Love it, love it, love it. So yeah, uh, not, not to skip everybody else, but... Yeah, no, I yeah, gotta, whatever. Yeah, we can jump around. Who cares? It's the end of the show. We're at the end.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm going to call out someone for a negative reason right now. Uh, Gene Booth, who is the assistant property master, and not because of any work that he did on this movie, but because he did the props on the movie that I hate more than any movie ever made in the history of filmdom, Harold and Maude. So... Damn Eugene Booth for working on Harold and Maud.
1: <laughs> oh wow. So I'm so curious why why Harold and Maud is like being, being like the bleh, like the <laughs> bottom of your list.
2: Well, in high school for some reason all of my friends loved that movie and I didn't. And every few weeks they'd be like, "Let's watch Harold and Maud again." <laughs> and they and I'd say, "Oh, really?" And they'd pop in Harold and Maud in the VCR and watch Harold and Maud again. And every time it they I had to sit through it. I just Disliked it more and more and more, and eventually turn into just pure hatred.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a really weird teenage purgatory. That's yeah. a really <laughs> weird casual movie as teenagers to get into. Yeah, like that's
2: my, my friends in high school. We were all weird, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like it's. I mean, I, I hear you. Like maybe seeing it once. Like I've literally seen it once, and I was like, I'm good. You know, yeah, like it's not same. something I needed to watch casually. Like <laughs> we were on watching... the list. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I have empathy. That just seems like that's too much. That's like a kind of like a low grade waterboarding, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's watch Harold and Maude again.
1: <laughs> oh my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, me and my friends were going back and watching Escape from New York over and over
2: again. Beat that, I would have been very happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we were watching like Spaceballs or Batman or, you know. Watching Saturday Night Live skits, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: Another odd career is uh, Frankie Bergman. He was the hairstylist. So you see, it looked like he was a, a John Carpenter contributor. He worked on Christine, uh, Halloween 2 and 3. He also worked on the same year as this, as Under the Rainbow. Have you seen Under the Rainbow?
1: No. Carrie
0: Fisher and Chevy Chase with the munchkins from Wizard of Oz.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I know of it, but I never saw it.
0: Very bizarre. Hmm. He was the hairstylist on that as well,
1: huh?
0: And then start, then goes into you know the '90s career. Look like all he worked on is Full House and Mary oh. Kate and
2: Ashley direct DVDs.
1: Ooh, yeah, ooh,
2: harsh turn of events there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I worked on Christine.
0: I worked on Halloween two <laughs> and three. I worked on uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. Go to the shopping mall or whatever. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Someone with a much better career was that Roy Arbogast, special effects supervisor. He worked on The Thing, Christine, Starman, They Live. Nice, another carpenter guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also was the special effects supervisor for Return of the Jedi. Nice. Ooh.
1: Uh,
2: I'll bring up Dean Beville, the assistant to assistant film editor, which, first of all, I always like when there's an assistant to an assistant. <laughs> uh he um this is his oldest credit this movie and then he did almost nothing for almost 10 years and then he moved into sound and sound editing and, and doing Foley work so it's interesting that maybe uh, you know complete hypothesis here on my part that maybe started out on the film and editing side and just couldn't hack it and decided to change gears and get into sound. It took a while to get back into it. I'm going to go with that as his life story. But once he did, <laughs> uh, he was very successful. He worked in sound and Pulp Fiction, the first Spider-Man Speed, From Dust Till Dawn, Showgirls, the John Adams miniseries. So nice, good audio career.
1: Showgirls is another one that would have been really interesting for ADR recording.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yikes.
1: <laughs> oh, Just saying. Uh, yes. So to segue, I... Uh, <laughs> I just I looked him up because I was like, what is up with your name, dude? Drain Marshall, who is listed <laughs> as who's listed as the rigging gaffer. So I, you know, I, I always forget like what the specific jobs are within electric under principal or the like the DP basically with the lighting and whatnot. So I am just gonna take a minute. Uh, and bestow some information and some context. So uh, basically a rigging gaffer is somebody who shows up ahead of principal photography on a new scene location and arrives to survey the site, plan installation as per the gaffer's instruction... And so the gaffer to Segway is the chief or also known as the chief lighting technician is the head electrician responsible for the execution and sometimes the design of the lighting plan for production. Um, the term gaffer originally related to the moving of overhead equipment to control lighting levels using a gaff and the gaffer's assistant is known as the best boy electric. So uh, gaffer is responsible for managing lighting um, and also kind of coordinating the labor and lighting instruments and equipment under the direction of the DP of photography. Again, that is Dean Cundy. So, um, and then the DP is responsible for the overall lighting design, but delegates the implementation of the design to the gaffer and the key grip. And the key grip is the head grip in charge of the labor and non-electrical equipment used to support and modify the lighting. Uh, so that's kind of like a little bit of a rundown with that department. The gaffer is Mark Waltower and Drain uh, looks like he is uh, worked with Dean Cundy previously on the illustrious roadhouse. <laughs> well, I, think roadhouse.
2: We've got a, I think we've got a family business here because the, with Drain being the rigging gaffer, then we've got Tom Marshall, best boy electrician and we've got Terry Marshall as one of the electricians. Um, and they're all, they're, in a row here in the credits, so that it's got to be some kind of a family electricity business going on there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I think that's totally legit.
2: And Tom Marshall specifically, he's another Dean Cundy guy. He's he's been on like a bunch of Dean Cundy's movies.
1: But that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because again, you know, you've got like your crew of people who are running right. cameras and your crew of people who are not gonna electrocute people and you trust them. And yeah. right? so you wanna like work <laughs> with them again.
2: Uh, we missed a bit before we jumped over I wanna call it Tommy Cowsey, the sound mixer, another John Carpenter guy and some some movies I'll call out from him, Cloak and Dagger. The Dabney Coleman classic from the eighties. Oh, I, I love that movie. Yep, that was a good. I was a. I was the perfect age when that movie came out, Me like too. nine or ten or whatever. Yep, um, gotcha. The Anthony Edwards movie before he was an ER when he goes oh, to is Europe. That,
0: that paintball one, yeah,
2: the paintball movie <laughs> with Anthony Edwards. Uh, Clue, the first Naked Gun, Dick Tracy, the immortal where my mom will shoot, <laughs> uh, and then interestingly, Traffic, which is you know mm. like an Oscar uh, wow movie. Uh, and all of the Next Generation movies, all the Star Trek Next Generation movies he did sound. Oh, cool. This guy's got a nice, good career there. Um, I'll call out a few more people uh, since uh, I think we're winding down this minute. I want to talk about the boom operators. Joe Brennan has essentially the same exact credits as Tommy Cowsy. So I guess he's Tommy Cowsy's favorite boom operator. And the other boom operator, Carl Fisher, he's got some cool movies. Uh, Rain Man, Running Man, American Beauty, uh the three Batman sequels after the original Tim Burton Batman, and a comedy that I think is very under and under appreciated, Soap Dish.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: that's a good one.
0: You yeah, know,
1: this le- is. Oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead. The
2: last name that I took
0: notes on is a Sid Stembridge, the weapons advisor. Did you guys look into him at all? No. Looks like, you know, he was a weapons advisor on 1941, uh, First Blood, Rambo 3, and Waterworld just to name a few. He was the grand nephew of the founder of Stembridge Gun Rental that started in 1914. That was like renting guns to all of the the movies that were starting off, you know, in the the early... cinema hmm. and it looks like they closed up shop in 1999 i guess he ran into some financial troubles um with the company and they sold off i had read conflicting reports some say that uh one rich entrepreneur bought most of the guns from this rental prop place i was like that's amazing you know some guns that were in you know Gunsmoke or john wayne movies mm. this goes on oh cool but yeah he seemed like a pretty wild dude
1: So I just Uh, had. um, Go ahead. I just have one more name on my list, uh, and it comes at the end here. uh, Louis Kirko, who uh, did craft services, and I just like. I just like the idea of craft services because that's just you know people got to eat and. Um, I think the way you you take good care of people who are working really long hours is you make sure that there's like a buffet for them, like you feed them really well, and people are typically pretty happy. And uh, I just looked him up, and he didn't have a ton of credits, but I did notice he did Crafty on Rocky Two, and I thought that was kind of notable. So, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, my last name is Stephen Loomis, the costume designer. Now he only had a few other credits, but the reason I'm um. Pulling him out, Molly, is, unfortunately, you goofed on him back early in the Ah! Uh, (laughs) get-go, and I wanted to call him out because, despite you goofing on him and for what he did in this movie, he was actually nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Costumes for this movie jesus so clearly uh you are not in sync with the 1981 saturn award nominating
1: <laughs>
2: they love the Zubaz pants wow
1: thank you thank you yeah. yeah oh my gosh wow
2: well what i read about him online was he relied partially on items found at city dumps for the trash clothes worn by prison inmates who would likely have found their clothing in dumpsters And based on what I now know about Zubas, thanks to you, Molly, uh, (laughs) it's possible you found all those Zubas in city dumps.
1: Oh, no, that breaks my heart. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, let us die, let us die. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, that's great. I'm glad that uh, somebody really... I I mean, it was just like... (sighs) I mean yeah the the plain costumes were kind of fucked up I'm sorry. <laughs> but no I'm I'm glad that someone was acknowledging his work that's great. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Brian did you have any other notes on your list for this particular minute? Um no not on this particular minute. I think we covered everybody that
0: I looked up as you know just a a nice mix of people that had some
1: very very good credits. Oh yeah. Very much so uh eric how about you do you have any other tidbits thoughts
2: uh no that's what i had i did want to ask brian since uh he mentioned at the beginning this is one of his favorite movies and um this is uh his one shot that being on the show just kind of you know what's your what is your history with the movie tell us about it
0: uh well i think i saw it the first time i've been racking my brain all week trying to remember the first time i saw it it had to be in uh, on cable because i would have been too young to go see it uh in the theater but when it was on cable i just remember me and my dad watching this repeatedly. Hmm. Uh he he loved it just as much as i did and um when i was a little kid i'd play snake pliskin out in the yard and
1: <laughs> Oh <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> down to the eye patch and everything no Zoobus pants but you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just sweatpants. But yeah there was uh, I yeah and just been in love with it ever since I got to you know expose it to uh, people in college that had never seen it some friends that I met there and you know got them hooked on it so we would watch that I think in college we watched that at least once every month month and a half
1: cool cool spreading the gospel
0: mm-hmm yeah it was it was funny when I was chatting with Eric uh, this week about this. I, I told him that I had recently just uh just picked it up and watched it again. I have a two thousand three D V D like collector's edition of it. And as I was opening it up it had like a little comic book in there and then a an ad for this video game called John Carpenter's Snake Pliskins Escape. That was going to be for PlayStation Two, I believe. Hmm. I'm like, I'd never heard of this. And again, it's 2003 when this thing came out. So, did a little digging around and looked, and it was never produced. It was canceled, um, like right in the middle of it. But if you go uh, on YouTube, you can watch a, I think it was like a seven or eight minute collection of uh, stuff that they built. They built the game. They built, you know, a bunch of the engine for it, and it is next level bonkers it it's like you take uh, escape from new york and mix it with the matrix and that's what that video game is it's just him going around and shooting stuff but it's a lot of like bullet time kind of style
1: to hmm, it. interesting
0: yeah but it's supposed to come out in 2005 and they they scrapped it at the last moment but carpenter and russell uh, deborah hill were all involved there's going to use Russell's... used his likeness. You can tell that it's him in the, in the video. Um, I'm not sure if they're... I'm thinking they were going to use his voice as well. But it was supposed to be the first in a planned series of games. So we we missed out on that.
1: Yeah, that sounds actually pretty awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the funniest tidbit about the game I found, it had a bunch of mini-games because it was going to be one of a, you know, first open world kind of like a uh, Grand Theft Auto where you can kind of just, you know, run around... Um, New York, and said it has a bunch of mini games, and one of them including weightlifting. <laughs> so you can just what? take Snake into the gym and weightlift. What the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. huh Yeah. So I, I highly uh, recommend going going to YouTube and and searching for Snake Pliskin's Escape, the never created video game. What could have been?
1: Do you guys have a sense of why there would be a weightlifting? arena (laughs) no
0: idea it just said they i didn't think i didn't see any footage of it that i could tell but it just says you know oh mini games include weightlifting (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's supposed to turn people on oh my god i gotta go buy this
2: game there's weightlifting in it
1: it's weird
2: the only thing that even remotely comes to mind was the old track and field arcade game from back in the 80s that I would <laughs> play in my local arcade, which had you know like hurdles and long jump and running and stuff like that. I mean, there was no weightlifting in it, but I can't think of anything even remotely similar. Yeah,
1: very strange. Did you guys ever play the Paperboy? Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, classic. So I guess that's kind of like another slightly mundane yes. version of that. Uh, Brian, is there anything that you would like to take a moment and uh, promo or... Um, advertise any type of projects or where people could find you online uh, i would just like to promote uh
0: you guys and all the minutes well, movies by minutes crews. uh it's a, a great format I, I got into it uh like mostly everybody with the star wars minute with the right. godfathers um who i got to meet at star wars celebration this year i was so excited
1: ah nice
0: but yeah the, go to the moviesbyminutes.com and there's going to be a a movie that you like is probably under this microscope so it's a it's a a great listen you guys make my commute uh to and from work uh very enjoyable
1: oh (laughs) thank you so much
0: yeah no problem thank you thank you guys
1: and brian thank you for joining us today uh for y'all out there, you can follow us on Twitter at NYMinutePod. Uh, also, we have a Facebook group, Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. And if you guys haven't had an opportunity yet, we've got some bonus material, um, some really, really great interviews. Uh, you know, we we, read, we mentioned uh, Roger Bumpus earlier, uh, Dean Cundy for a couple of examples. um so, yeah, come, come check out some of our our bonus material. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall.